I'm so used to saying good morning when we gather. <laughs> good afternoon. <laughs> the Lord blessed us with awesome, beautiful, sunshiny weather today. Yay. Thanks, Jesus. I just want to acknowledge that, you know, each one of us comes to a gathering like this and we have had different weeks. We've just had different things go down. And so there's a lot that we bring to the table when we come to worship Jesus. And I think what I love is that his table is big enough for all of us and for everything that's happened for each one of us in our week. Um, And so let's just pray just for a moment together. God, when I think of the very biggest table I've ever seen, um, I imagine it, it feels like just a miniature to what your big table must look like. Your table's big enough for each one of us to come. And not only that, you often carry us to your table when we can't quite get there ourselves. And you feed us. You so faithfully feed us when we let you. And so we just take a moment right now and acknowledge we need you. We're so thankful we can come to this table, the table of your presence, and receive what you want to share with us today. Come and fill us up, Jesus with your goodness and your grace, with everything that we might need for what we don't know that is to come, and for everything that we need for what has already passed. I'm so thankful that you meet us right here, right where each one of us is at. You meet us right in that place. And it's good. And we just take this moment and we say we want to lay all our worries and our cares, any heaviness that we carry, any problem that needs to be fixed. Any question that is still unanswered for us, we bring this to you today, all of these things. And we welcome you into those places and spaces inside of us and around us and in our lives and in our families. Help us to take these moments to breathe in deeply, to exhale everything we need to exhale and to inhale you. Thank you. It's so good to see each one of you guys here. If any of you haven't yet been to one of our gathered services that we've been doing just for the past few weeks, Um, there's a couple washrooms available if you need. Um, You can just go directly into our house and down the stairs, and there's a washroom downstairs that specifically we've cleaned and gotten ready for anyone who would like to use that. You can use the one upstairs too. It doesn't matter to us. 
Um, but if that's something you need, that's where you can go. And for the kids, we'll just open up the tables in the back um, once David shares a message, and there's lots for them to, to take a look at. I'm going to read to you, and you can join in and follow along here on your papers from Exodus 14, verses 10 to 16. Just before I do, can we take a little moment? There's two things, and I shared this actually on Wednesday during Simply Worship. But this past week, we've had two really significant um, wins in our community, and there might be more that I don't know of. But the two that I'm thinking of is that one is that for many of you uh, who know Bruce and Amy, Bruce just got really great news about his health, um, where he was declared cancer-free, so he's still, yes, thanks be to Jesus for healing him, Um, and he is still recovering from his surgery, but he is on the way, and so that's such good news. Uh, And then also, um, many of you know Naomi, our friend in Guatemala, Uh, and she recently had a daughter, um, one of her girls, Sarah, uh, Sara, I think is how, is how Naomi says it, um, who was very, very sick, almost unto death, and was in the hospital for quite some time. She's at home recovering. I think as of yesterday, she turned eight years old, and um, her very large hospital bill of, I think, $15,000 has been covered in the past week. Um, all that expense has been covered, and, and Sara is on the mend. So that's also an awesome win for our community. Thanks, Jesus. Okay, Exodus 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. There should be some reply, right? What's that? Thanks be to God. Uh, Our brothers, our Anglican brothers and sisters would say to us, so sweetheart, are you going to join me up here? Is that a thought? That's my thought. Come on up here. Yeah, we can't exactly hide behind the curtain or anything.
I'm doing fine. <laughs> from a, from my, for those who knew, I have a, a thought crime. I'm okay. <laughs> anyway, I've got a herniated disc in my C5-6. And I guess the last month has been not fun. But today's okay. <laughs> and from pain level of 15, I'm down to A1. So that's good. Last night I had a good sleep with no extra pills or nothing, so that's good. And um, I asked God, I said, okay, because they want to do surgery on me. I said, if you want me to get the surgery, then I just pray, take away all the pain, but leave my, because I'm numb down my arm and finger or whatever, then I know it's a sign. But if you want to heal me, you take it all away. So we still have the numb thumb, so later you guys can pray for it all to go, and then no surgery, I'll be fine with that too. So. And Dave has been a trooper. I'm actually going to miss the attention. I think I might play it for a bit more. So for those who watch us on their iPad or whatever, you'll notice Dave does a whole lot of talking. I do the scripture readings. I do a little bit of comic relief. And I... Actually, quite a bit of comic relief. And most times, I, I, I might get a word from the Lord. So this will look like that. Yeah, this will look like that. And as you haven't noticed, we're, we're not social distancing from one another. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, for those of you, you know, that are using an iPad, don't leave them out in the sun. Otherwise, your thermostat setting comes on. Oh, like mine just did. <laughs> But isn't that a great problem? We're actually, it's almost too hot. When I, when I got up here, I realized that I didn't bring a coat with me. And then it, was, it appeared to be very cold, actually, when we got started. And then I, I did have a pullover, so I put that on. And then I overheated that. And I had to change back into this. But here we are. Bonnie, actually, thank you for reading that scripture verse. And, and thank you for, like, entertaining us. Can you imagine us, the vineyard, trying to do a little bit, just a little bit of this sort of shared reading exercise together? It's, does that freak anybody out that we're trying to do this stuff? You know, God's, God's word is, is powerful, right? Divides between, what is it, our soul, our marrow? Like there's, there's something powerful about just speaking God's word together, entering into agreement with it. We started off with the, with the Exodus story, and that really is the sort of the theme of, of what I want to just touch on here today and what Debbie and I'll speak to. Uh, but as I like to do, I like to like take a look at what sort of extract some things out of our New Testament scriptures and look at those. And uh, written in the latter half of the first century, the Christian author of Hebrews encouraged Believers to fix their eyes on Jesus. Do you remember we did a, a whole series on like three verses out of Hebrews about this fixing our eyes on, on Jesus? 
And and here in the in the, in Hebrews chapter twelve, there's two verses here that I'm going to pull from Hebrews chapter twelve, verse seven and eleven. Do, do, do you want to read this? Yeah. <laughs> Hebrews is New Testament. He knows his Bible pretty dang good. <laughs> the King James Version, anyhow. Okay, let's Are we ready? Okay. Yeah. Am I starting there? Yeah, well, so... I don't know where you're... I don't understand. <laughs> so, our author to Hebrews encouraged believers to fix their eyes on Jesus and to... Endure... Their experienced hardship as discipline. To the faithful he penned, God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That's pretty good, honey. Endure hardship as discipline. Yay! I'm hearing some of you. I'm hearing some of you exercise that word. That really sucks. Yeah. I haven't quite found that one out of, out of the Greek here. But entire hardship is discipline. What do you think when you hear the word discipline? Charity, what do you think of when you hear the word discipline? Gee, really? Okay. Hard time? All right. Anybody else? Wasn't me. Just learning. Good. What was that? Following a straight line. Does 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 the word kind of make you bristle inside? Yeah. See, you know, depending on your experience, it might make you bristle inside. If you're an athlete, somebody who's who's in training, then then you understand that. You know, that there's a discipline involved in that. By definition, the Greek word for discipline is a word for rearing a child. That's the way that it's used here in, in our scriptures. For their training, for their instruction, and for their education. The Greek word for endure, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a compounding word. That means that there's two words that come together, right? Uh it's, a made, it's made of this combination of two different words, meno, which means to abide, and hupo, which means under, quite literally to abide under. So literally, it means to preserve or to abide under, or more cultural language maybe, a more modern expression for this might be hang in there. Hang in there. Stick with it till the end. That, that might be a more modern way of looking at that. Are you facing some financial difficulties right now? Hang in there. Oh, shut up. Oh, shut up. <laughs> wow. I think... <laughs> Are you facing some challenging relational divides? 
Hang in there. Right, this is good, you're getting this. Uh, Life really doesn't seem fair right now. Hang in there. Exactly, you're getting it. This is it, this is good. Uh, I mean, are the long-standing lockdowns and the measures to suppress the spread of coronavirus bringing you to the edge of despair? Then, yeah, yeah, that wasn't said with as much enthusiasm. Then along with our writer to Hebrews, Debbie, I want to say to you, hang in there. We're nearing the end. Really? We are. We're nearing the end. Since the celebration of Easter, we've been presenting a a bit of a mini-series, so to speak. I mean, it's not that disjointed because they all come underneath this umbrella of messages to strengthen the faithful. I mean, when I was asking God, what does this all fall under? Because it seems like week to week to week, there's something specifically you want to say to your people. And I believe that God wants to strengthen us. He wants to strengthen us, his faithful. This was very purposeful. Uh, Not unlike the world around us, we are experiencing uh, a hardship that is affecting everyone. Uh, There's a felt weight of hardship, right? It's taken a toll on people's mental and their physical well-being. The government, I don't know if you you pay attention to just the ads on the radio and, and... on the internet and whatever. I mean, lately there's all of these 1-800 numbers, these free collect, these free not, won't, won't charge you numbers that you can call to have somebody counsel you in the area of mental fatigue and sickness. They, they understand that what we're going through is weighing us down. I'm going to maintain something that I've said right out of the gate with all of this is that we have entered into a shared an almost incarnational suffering with this world. Jesus came into this world. Uh, do you think he, he came in like kind of glum and mournful? Like, how do you picture Jesus when he came in? Crying. Crying. Well, there's some scenes where he cries. But full of life, full of joy. Do, you know, do we have enough pictures in our head of, Jesus completely losing it in laughter when he's watching his disciples carry on. That's the picture I get in my head. He came that we might have life and live it to the full. I think he came and he lived life to the full. Even knowing what he must go through, the hardship that he had to go through, the, the cross that he had to bear and face. See, he still saw things from the other side and the fruit that was gonna come out of this. How we as God's children respond, respond to the hardship that's bearing down on us, I, I believe it's t- entirely revealing of where we're at with our heart and where we're putting our trust. Uh, are you still with me? Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> Comic relief, here it comes. There's nowhere in my notes where it says anything about comic relief right there. See, while we're not supposed to live as the world lives, we are called to truly live in this world. Like, I mean live, to live life to the full. Today's 
primary scripture is pulled from the great Exodus narrative. What, what a great story. What an amazing story. After 10 generations of slavery over how many years? 400. That's good, hon. God sent a deliverer to lead God's chosen nation out of captivity. Was Israel's story, I don't know how you read it, but it, it, it's our story. Israel not only contended with men and nations, but they also contended with God. Don't you know? Uh, do you ever contend with God? No? Oh, yeah. You just have to speak out a little more because you're behind those masks. Oh, yeah. But they did. They, they contended with men, with nations, and even with God. Israel's story is the native is the narrative of a people that are set apart. How many know that the word holy means to be set apart? Yeah? Yeah. Like we think set apart, but, but think of the word holy. Israel's story is the narrative of people who are set, set apart for God, a holy people unto the Lord, for the work and for the display of God here in this earth. What, a, what, a, what an amazing calling they had. But as we learn from the larger narrative of the great exodus, it's one thing to rescue Israel out of Egypt, but it's quite another thing to get the influences and the fear of Egypt out of God's people. <laughs> That's right. Amen. That's what I heard. I wish I had a mic on that. <laughs> try to imagine this scene with me. Uh, but sometimes we just read the words, but try to imagine the scene with me. Over one million people of every age and description being pressed up against the edge of a sea that's in front of them. And on the rear is Pharaoh and his army, and they're bearing down on them. They're up against it, aren't they? There is nowhere else to go. And quite literally, their backs are against the wall. Maybe there's a situation in your life where you're, you're feeling like that right now. Out of a terror that now sees them, the vast multitude of God's people began crying out to the Lord. <laughs> a million people crying out to God. What did that sound like? Uh, and from what I know about the culture, they're pretty expressive. Right? Yeah, maybe a little more so than Canadians. Right? Like, we might be listening thinking, they're not being very polite right now. You know, they would be crying out to the Lord. And out of there, and I'm going to say professed anxiety, they vented their worst case and um, their worst case of an and their imagined scenario of nothing but personal and wholesale destruction. <laughs> Are you thinking back to a moment when you maybe participated in that crying out to the Lord? 
Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to to us? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. How many of us have felt like that sometime? Where we're up against it. Maybe you're feeling that right now. The world that we live in is feeling that right now. I mean, I'm thinking to the many voices that I've talked to who work in the essential workplace environments right now. Environments where you have to work. And maybe you're a first-hand witness to the frayed anxieties that people are carrying around with them now. Are, are people being patient with one another right now? No. I, I know, we're not going to say that's wholesale, but in a lot of cases, it's quite true. People are just feeling like, done. Yeah. <laughs> man, that was, can we have another amen there? Amen. amen. Done. So done. Jesus. Oh, okay. Moses has an answer for the people and he has an answer for all of us. But before I go on there, I want to remind you of the, the mentionable reality of our imagined picture, right? Right? Are you guys good at imagining pictures? The kids are. Look, they're drawing pictures over here. But imagine this. And this isn't fake imagination. Let's remember something. God is present with Israel. He's present with us. His manifest presence is hidden inside a pillar of cloud and fire. God's present in the middle of this narrative that you're reading here. And his manifest power is resting on his servant Moses. Remember the one that led him out to the desert so that they could die? <laughs> Moses' answer to the people's anxiety is is simple and it's powerful. You got this? Don't be afraid. Stand firm. And you're going to see the Lord's deliverance for you. And get this, the Lord himself will fight for you. You only need to be still. Stop imagining the worst case scenarios. Stop it. Are you imagining the worst case scenarios for your life right now? Stop it. Stop it. Maybe hang in there and stop it. Like, stop imagining those things. Quit agreeing with the enemy. He's got a lousy plan for your life. Do you know that? But, but don't listen to him. Stop imagining the worst case scenarios. Listen to that. He wants that for you. 
I can't leave it here, sorry. Now stop acting like children who've been abandoned. Uh, he might as well have said that. I want to say that God has not abandoned you. He's right here. He's present. Now I'm, I'm pulling from what our writer, the, he, the Hebrews, has to say and what Moses is saying here in the desert, facing a pretty angry crowd. I wonder who looked more hostile, the Israelites or Pharaoh's army? Uh, I don't know. How would you like to be Moses? <laughs> and then you get God telling you, stop crying out, will you? Face the wall. Face the impossibility and speak to it. Just lift up your, your staff and watch me deliver you. Take your eye off the enemy. Take your eye off the people. Face this obstacle and wait for me to deliver you. Hmm. How many of us need to do that right now? Listen, he's here for you. And he's with you. And as I imagine this picture, I see a God who's put himself between you and the enemy. Nothing less than Jesus is done by hanging on the cross. He's kind of messed up our whole view of that instrument of torture, hasn't he, by hanging himself there in front of it and on it. He's put himself between you and the enemy. And he's about to open a way where there seems to be no way. Man, we love that term, don't we? He's a God who does that. Now don't speak. Don't live. Don't act out of your fears. Be still. Stand firm and be still. Trust in him to fight for you and to deliver you. Stand firm and trust in him and be still. Stand firm and be still. We need to hear him. If we're making a whole bunch of racket and noise... <laughs> and not facing him and listening for him, it, it's hard to hear him, isn't it? Now these stories, they're, they're written down for us so that, we, so that they can be remembered and, and so that we, they can be called upon to encourage and strengthen our faith in him. Our faith in him. Not faith in your faith, okay? <laughs> but faith in him and his nature. If I'm a man or woman of faith, it's because my faith is in the Lord. And quite frankly, it's not even in Moses to deliver me. Or Pharaoh to have mercy on me, to take me back. I like eating, making straw out of no, making bricks out of no straw. I don't care. I, you know, 
He doesn't want us turning back from the thing that he's rescued us from. God led his people out of captivity into the desert so they could meet with him. And so that they could worship him. And where they could learn to live out of relational dependence in him. Maybe that's the season that we're all in as the church. Is that we're learning really to live out of a deep relational dependence in him. Is that, is that something that we can take home from all of this that we're going through? In a weekly time of intercession and communal prayer with people from this congregation, I, I, I shared some things I heard, but so did this girl right here, Connie. And I invited Connie to actually come up here and share with us. Stepping in and out of focus here. Connie, we're going to get you up here to chair. Okay, I felt like God wanted uh, to lead us in our prayer time on Wednesday night through this verse. And it is uh, Hebrews 11, 1. And it says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. So that's actually verse 1 and 2. And I've been feeling like God has been inviting me into um, a relationship that I get out of my head, and he wants me to learn how to get into my heart. So when I'm praying, instead of my own prayers in my own way of trying to ask him to fix a situation, I always felt like I was begging him to do things for me. And to come into um, like my children's lives and my grandchildren and all sorts of stuff like that. But I felt like God is saying to me, you need to learn who I really am. You don't know who I am. You've, um, you've learned about who I am through other people, through some teaching, but I want you yourself to learn who I really am. I want you to know um, how much I love you. And I am not leaving you out on your own to figure these things out. You need to get into a place of quiet and rest and not be anxious. And I will speak to you. I will help you pray. And when you give it to me, you're going to see things that you never, ever thought or imagined. But you have to trust me to do that. And it's about getting into that, letting go of all the anxiety and all the fear. Because when I look out here and I see some stuff going on, it's like, God, I, there's, I don't know what you're going to do. I, there's nothing I can do. But when I go inside and I quiet myself, 
that's where I get my hope because God has a way for every situation there is. Do you know that you are a temple? <laughs> Who lives in that temple? Jesus, yeah, the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Christ lives in you. You know, looking inside is sometimes... And learn, listen, learning to listen is to actually, it's almost like turning to Christ, isn't it? Right? Who's committed to you, who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Yes, the Holy Spirit is our best friend and, and, and close to us like this, Right? But he's near and he's present. Have you got something you want to share? Do we want to say anything or do we want to say anything more to that? What are you thinking? No? I'm feeling it? Yeah. You know what? Connie, such a great testimony. We don't, we don't want to, I don't want to dismiss that. I think that's lots for us to be encouraged with, to chew on. Why does it always take us to the wall before we actually start figuring things out? (laughs) But he always comes through, right? You know? Um... I talked to Debbie about a testimony that we could bring to the table, but we're, gonna, we're not going to do that. But, but we've learned through our marriage uh, uh, and even, you know, a couple of rocky moments in our marriage. We learned through those things. We've learned multiple times through our life, Debbie and I, this principle of Choosing to quiet our fears and our anxieties. Choosing that. Standing firm, waiting on God. Yeah, it's the device telling me you're done. And to quite literally rest in Him for our salvation. You know that that word for salvation, guys, right? It's, it's about your healing. It, it's not just, it's a word that's used for wholeness and healing and restoration and redemption and deliverance. It's a powerful word. We've learned to trust in him for our strength. And yeah, like your, your shared test, your testimony here at the front end, just talking about your health. You've, yeah. None of these Lessons that we've learned were easy. (laughs) Not. Right? 
So I want to wrap things right up where we started. Our scripture from Hebrews finished with this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. But, and thank God they used the word, but painful. Right? You are allowed to say, I'm feeling pain right now. It's an indication to you that something's going on. I'm feeling pain now. I don't know where that's coming from. I'm almost afraid to even mention it. Because it's, it's sounding loud, Lord, like I don't have any faith at all. You know, one of the greatest revelations that I had in my life during a time of burnout and just hitting the wall. The place that Christ led me to is to a place into a confession that says, God, so there's me crying out. I'm sure the Lord could hear me just fine, right? God, I don't trust you. <laughs> Boy, was he surprised. No, right? He said, oh, David, I've been waiting for us to get to this point. Now we can do some things, right? Such a relief. And all of the shame that I was carrying because I was feeling this down inside of my heart, just it shed off like water, right? And it was the beginning of God healing some deeper places in my life. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, listen to this promise, it produces a harvest, that sounds good, of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Right? Isn't that encouraging? How about saying it this way? No hardship seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But brothers and sisters, we want you to be encouraged. The troubles suffered will produce a harvest. Amen? Amen.